Uh, we are, we will be taking the Lord's Supper today, and uh, if you're not familiar with our setup, uh, we don't do it every week, and uh, we do it about every three or four months, and uh, I always speak about the Lord's Supper on that day that we take it, so that's what we'll be looking at as quick as our kiddos are gone, uh, so, uh, and we do, I'll, I'll tell you as well, we, we do not have a closed communion. If you know what that means, that means a closed communion is a church that says, unless you're a bona fide member of that church, you can't take the Lord's Supper. Uh, we do not take that stance. Uh, we have an open, open communion means if you're a believer and committed to Christ, we encourage you to take the Lord's Supper with us. And that's what we're looking at uh, this morning. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and we're going to pick it up in verse 17, uh, because he reprimands the church because of what was going on uh, that was, was causing disunity instead of unity. Uh, and that's what we're going to look at, what the Lord's Supper is actually about. He said, but in giving you this charge, I don't praise you. I praise you not. That you come together not for the better, but for the worse. First of all, when you come together to church, I hear that there are divisions exist among you. And I believe it. They were fighting. Uh, you never heard of a church fighting, have you? No, heavens no. They must have quit at the end of that era. For there must also be factions among you that they are approved may be made manifest among you. Wherefore, when you assemble yourselves together, it is not possible to eat the Lord's Supper. In your eating, each one taketh before his own supper, and he's hungry, and another is drunken. What have you no houses to eat in and to drink in, or despise you the church of God, and put them to shame that have not? What shall I say to you? Should I praise you? No, I praise you not. For I see the Lord that which also delivered to you, that the Lord in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Uh, do this in remembrance of me. We know we have a, a brown spot on that screen. We have uh, two new ones to put up. Uh, they just burn out. So if you're out there, one of those A personalities, do they know? Yeah, we know it. Okay? Just go ahead and relax. We, we know it's there. And we're fixing it. All right? Uh, but that's what it says. In like manner also the cup after, sup, after supper saying, The cup is the new covenant of my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat of the bread and drink of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. But let a man prove himself, and also let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he that eateth and drinketh and eateth and drinketh judgment unto himself, if he discern not the body. For this cause many among you are weak and sickly. And a few asleep or dying or dead, that's what asleep means. It means they died. But if we discern ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we're judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, brethren, when you come together to eat, wait on one another. If any man is hungry, let him eat at home, that you're coming together, not judgment. And the rest will I set in order when I come. In the following verses, we'll see where Paul is correcting a problem because uh, in that day, Rome operated on a 10-day week, and the Jews operated on a 7-day week. 
So you can see how, in, if you see in, in the New Testament where it records it, they would meet early in the morning or at night. Why? Because when you have those kind of schedules, everyone's not off on the same day. And what, he's, what, has, what is going on here is if you look at society, you've got some people who run their own business. Some are independently wealthy. Some are slaves. Slave being they can still free to move around, but they are tied to their job. So some who were free could come to the meeting early and they bring because then they had a meal before the Lord's Supper. And so they would come early, and they would eat up all the food and drink all the wine. So when some of the slaves got there late, there wasn't anything left. Some of them were drunk. And he just said, wait a minute, this is causing division. Why would you do this? So he basically stopped it. He said, no, 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 no. You, you don't need to do this. And, it, and it's amazing when Jesus confronts it, uh, when he says about what we need to do to remember. Paul, he says, I, I can't praise you for this because this is causing division. So that's, what, that's how important the Lord's Supper was and how easy it is to get abused. <laughs> you know, we, again, we don't, do it, uh, we don't do it every week. Some people do it every week. Uh, we, it just says as often as you do it. There is no mandate. It never says in Scripture you have to do this this often. It just says as often as you do it, whatever that is. And that's when you do it. That's what happens. That's, what, that's what's going on. So that is the context behind what he says, he's correcting a problem that society is causing and people are not paying attention. Well, you say, well, we don't have that problem. But we have problems. We nurture our own little sin and we have crazy attitudes and we're always mad at somebody when we come to church. And you wonder, you know, I'm glad I don't know everybody's mindset when they get here. I guarantee you, some of you have had a fight on the way to church and make Armageddon look like a tinker toy set. I don't want to know that. I don't want to know that, you know, but that's what's going on. He said, when you come together, and especially the Lord's Supper is this, you're supposed to be thinking. You know what remembering means? Let's hurry up. All right, we have more than what we have time to carry, cover. We don't exactly have that problem, but we do have that when people come and they're mad for some crazy reason. It's too hot or it's too cold. Okay, wear a short sleeve shirt or bring you a, co a coat. Somebody's always mad about something, and, and if we don't stop and think through those things, it's basically the same thing that's going on that Paul is dealing with. We do the same thing. We might not fight over the Lord's Supper, but we fight on, on other nonsense. So he's correcting it. And all this is about helping us remember, okay, when you come to this table, it's supposed to be reminding you what Jesus has done in your life. So how are you living your life? That's the thing. How you live in your life when you because he said you better test it. It's difficult to see how that the central rite of the church, the Lord's Supper, <coughs> that's the only ongoing rite. We have the rite of baptism, but hopefully you only baptize one time. So you're not being baptized all the time, but you have the Lord's Supper often. That that how it could cause so much trouble. You know why it caused trouble? Because they were human like us. All of us want our way, don't we? Don't we? Yeah, that's why we always fight But somebody because, you know, we want this and we want that and they want this and they want that. It's the same thing. The whole emphasis here is supposed to be the, the religious act that goes on constitutes we have a one fellowship, one body, one Christ, and we fellowship together. Why in the world are we fighting? That's what Paul addresses them on. It's to remember. You know, the older you get, the harder it is to remember. Is that right? 
Isn't that right? We went home Friday night to my parents, or not, well, where we were raised, where I was raised, and had dinner with my sisters and brother. And well, we came on back, but uh, my brother-in-law was there, and we used to farm some with him. And they were talking about all these things that we did, and I'm thinking, I don't remember that. I didn't say that to him, though. I just had, just shook my head, you know, like, yeah. I wasn't lying. I didn't say anything. But I had no clue what he's talking about. And, I, you know, I don't remember that. And I think the only reason is I've crammed a lot more in my, my RAM, random access memory. I've crammed a lot more in mine than he has. It ain't no fault. So he, he can remember some of that stuff, and I'm just thinking, I have no idea what he's talking about. I don't remember. It's, it's, it's an indictment against the church and us that Jesus had to say to his disciples, you have to remember this. Ain't that something? He said, this is to remind you I died for you, and your life's supposed to be different because of that. It's an indictment against us that we, if we realize what all Jesus has done, that we couldn't remember that easily. We don't. So easy. Church forgets the whole purpose of why we're here. You know, and there's, I know there's all kinds of things. There's buildings and this ministry and that ministry. All those things go on in church, and I don't mean just this church. I mean church in general. And it's, if you're not careful, you'll be hard-pressed to find that the church even knows what we're supposed to be about. The cross is out of sight. I don't even know why I'm talking about the cross anymore. Nobody even talks about the blood of Jesus anymore. It's all about this and this and this. And that's exactly what he's saying. He says, you, you don't need to forget this. This is the main thing. I died for you. All right? That's what this is. So he says, remember. What does it take for you to remember? What if you didn't have a phone that you could punch everything in? How would you remember? You know? As the older you get, you've got to do something. You know? Some things I don't want to remember. But some things you have to remember. That's what he says. He said, I'm going to help you remember. I'm giving you this supper so you will remember what I did for you. And why your life is supposed to be different because of what I did for you. Because he comes to that to the end. He says, well, don't come here. Don't come here and not think about what you're doing here now. Because people get sick and die because of that. He said, he's serious. I mean, this is a serious thing. He says, what? I pass on to you. You know, the Lord's Supper is a, uh, it's, a it's basically the same thing as the Passover. It, it comes from the Passover rites. You remember the Passover? They left Egypt. Jesus, uh, uh, Moses said, here's what you do. God's going to deliver us. You take an animal. You kill it. Take the blood and put it on the top of the post and on the side. So when the death angel comes tonight, he will pass over your family and anybody that's in the house. Whether they were Egyptian, it didn't matter. You know, if the Egyptians did what the Israelites did, the Egyptians were saved as well. It wasn't just for the Jews, you know, because some did go. And you see the consequences of that in Numbers chapter 14, all the things that went on. And it says, he passed over them. Why? From then on, every year, they have a Passover feast. What? To remember all that God did in delivering them. That's all it was for. There was no power in the bread. There was no power in anything else. It was to remind them, you need to remember this. You need to remember how Jesus did all, that God did all these things. The plagues, crossing the Red Sea, 
getting you into the promised land, providing you for 40 years, all those things to remember. That's what it is, to remember. That's exactly what it was. They remembered. You know, later on, they came to the point where they said, you know, well, we'll get to that one in just a moment. We're going to hurry on through, all right? Year by year, celebrate the Passover. What? To remember, to help them remember all those things. We need to make sure we remember why we're doing what we're doing. It's about Jesus dying on the cross so that our life could be changed. That's, that's what it is. That's all it is. That's what it's about. <clears throat> now, he tells them, don't forget this. You know, isn't that sad? Jesus is sitting over with his disciples. In just a few hours, they're going to see him nailed on the cross. A little bit later, they see him. He rises from the dead, and he spends time with them. He, but he has to tell them, don't forget this. Don't get playing church games. Don't get playing church ball. Don't get playing all kind of church stuff and forget that it's about me and me dying on the cross. A lot of churches forget. They have forgotten. That's why we're in the mess we're in in America right now. You know, churches have forgotten what the, the whole thing's about. It's about the blood of Jesus. Nobody wants to talk about the blood anymore, you know. Oh, we don't want to. That's too gory. That's too morbid. We don't want to talk about that. Every day's a Friday. That's what it's all about, right? Yeah. We know for a while it's easy to forget, isn't it? Anything. Children, do you forget how much your parents have done to get you where you are? We forget. We get to where we're entitled. Well, you should do this for me. No, I don't have to do that for you. I'm doing it because I love you. Jesus said, I didn't have to do that for you. I'm doing it because I love you. This do in remembrance of me. It was linked to the old covenant. All the things that went on there. And then Jesus comes and he says, this is the new covenant. You know, the Passover rites was tied to the Passover. The new covenant, now Jesus said, the new covenant is this. It's not tied to a Levitical system. It's not tied to a sacrificial system. You can know me one-on-one -on -one now because of what I'm doing and the Holy Spirit that I'm going to send. It, it's not the same as the Old Testament. The new covenant, new contract, that's what it is. That's what he said. Remember that. It's important that we remember that. It's a new one. There's forgiveness there. <laughs> Aren't you? Well, I don't know. If you don't know how the Old Testament system operated, you might not be glad that you're not in it. I'm glad we're not in it. Because, you know, if I really got mad with some of y'all and didn't, wasn't very nice to you, I'd have to go kill an animal or take an animal to the priest. He'd have to kill it and sacrifice it. It would cost me. Boy, I'm glad we don't live under that one. And because we don't, we freeload on God's grace. Oh, it's okay to treat them like that. No, it's not. That's what this is about. Remind us. You can't just live any kind of way you want to. No, because what Jesus did for us, we're to remember that. Let's go on to the next one. The Lord's Supper is a proclamation of Jesus' death. You know, that's what it says, right? Whenever you do the bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. No, uh, uh, you know, the Lord's Supper is, is, is not for people who are not committed to Christ, okay? It's not. But there's nothing wrong with lost people being in the service where this happens. They were having it because it says when you do this, you're proclaiming the Lord's death. You know, what it should be is people that come in here and are not saved, you know, and if you're not saved, it's hard for you to remember what Christ has done for you, right? Yeah, it doesn't, that's a contradiction. But you can come in here and you say, well, listen, Otis, I see his life, how different he is. And this is why he's so different. 
because of what Christ's blood has done for him. It's proclaiming what Jesus did. Now, if you don't live any different, then it's not going to be a proclamation. They'll just see you as a hypocrite, and us as hypocrites, right? And they call us hypocrites because we are. <laughs> he says, but you should be proclaiming the Lord's death. When somebody comes in here and they said, they're remembering now I know what that means. They're remembering that Jesus changed their life, and they're not an alcoholic, and they're not a drug abuser, and they're not this anymore because Jesus died for them. It changed everything. That's what that means. He says, so every time you do that, you proclaim his death until he comes. That's exactly what it is. Now, it becomes a visible proclamation to people who don't really know. You know, Paul talked about that. There were unbelievers that went to the church in the New Testament. Because remember, when he was talking about the issue of tongues, he said, wait a minute. You see somebody coming here, they really don't know what's going on, and all y'all jibber-jabbing and all these tongues, and nobody understands them. They're going to think you lost your mind. So he said, no, 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 be careful. Don't do that. And he gave some guidelines on how that's supposed to work. There are guidelines for that. The Lord's Supper is a temporary ordinance. You know what that means? When Jesus comes and we're with him forever and ever and ever, we won't do this to remember him because he's going to be in front of us. It's temporary. That's what it says. Do this until he comes. You know, later on, the Jews had this process in which they went until they got back to the promised land. They said, next year, we're going to be back in Jerusalem. Every year that they served the Passover, they said, oh, yeah, but next time, we're going to be back in our homeland. They are now. But for how many hundreds and hundreds of years they had the Passover, and it was not in their homeland. And they tagged on that, oh, until we get back to Jerusalem again. When it says, until he comes, we do it. But it's gone when he comes. Why we want to do it? To remember him when he's sitting in front of us. Right? So that's what it means. Some people get hung up on that a little bit. That's what it is. Next year in Jerusalem, until he comes, until he comes. In the new heaven and earth, boy, I don't know. If, you know, if you can't stand Christians in church, you will not like heaven. You know, true Christians in church. You know, I'm not talking about people who say they're Christians. They're not. But, you know, basically it's going to be a lot better than church. But it's that concept, you know, and Jesus is going to be the center. And none of this other stuff is going to matter. You know, the only thing that's going to matter is we understand who he is and we fall down and worship him. That's what that is. We're not going to have all that other stuff. The Lord's Supper also provides opportunity for self-examination. You know, this should remind us. When we have this, you know, Jesus died for me, am I living like a pagan? I say that I'm committed to him. Am I living like a pagan? I say that he died for me and I'm committed to him. How am I treating my family? How am I treating my mom and dad? How am I treating my children? Am I giving an honest day's work for an honest day's pay? That's what it's supposed to be, self-examination. He said that's exactly what it's supposed to be. Because of Jesus, am I living any different? It's supposed to be. A good way to examine yourself. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner. You say, well, what in the world does that mean? It doesn't mean that, that we're worthy because we're not worthy. If you start, none of us are worthy for Jesus to die for us. No one is. That's not what that means, all right? Here's what it means. It describes our approach. What does that mean? It means I come to the Lord's Supper and I just take it. Oh, I know I'm living like a pagan, but I don't really care because Jesus forgave me and I don't even think about it. So my whole approach is, it doesn't really matter. Paul said, be careful. People are dying because of that. What is your approach? You know how it works. 
You get your little dog clean and turn him outside, where'd you go? Straight to the cow paddy. No water and something dead. Why? That's his nature. You know, ain't that right? Hello. That's the way it works. That's our nature. Jesus changes our nature. Our approach should be, I want to do right. I'm doing everything I can to do right. And I'm not going to be satisfied to walk in here and take the Lord's Supper and not evaluate where I am to see how I'm treating somebody because everything's all right. No, it ain't all right. We need to constantly examine how we're doing if we call ourselves by Jesus' name. That's what it means. Examine yourself. How you doing? It's very important to recognize. It means what is our approach to this thing? Oh, well, we're living under God's grace. We can just do anything we want to, and that's all right. No, it's not. No, it's not. That is not the, that's the unholy approach that he's talking about, unworthy. No, it's an unworthy manner. When we look at it like that, what is that? Do I remember that Jesus died for me? Do I remember how it's supposed to be affecting me? Is that my approach? How do I look at this whole pro- That's what he's talking about. How do I look at it? Oh, I'm all right. You know, I'm not as bad as Otis. Jesus ain't comparing you to Otis. Jesus is comparing you to Jesus. That's how that thing works, right? While I'm nurturing all kind of sin in my own life and don't even think about it. Oh, that's under God's grace. Everything's covered. Be careful. Because Paul said people are doing this and they're dying. <laughs> it's very, very serious. All right? I'm not saying you get perfect before you do that because you're not. But what is the general tenor of your life? Do you want to do right? Or you don't care if you do right just because you think you're already saved. If you think you're already saved and you don't care if you do right, you're probably not saved. If you have no concern whatsoever about how you live in your life, I'd go ahead and chalk that one up as you're not saved. Why? Because your whole inside hasn't changed. That's exactly what Jesus does. He changes our inside. Otherwise, the right itself becomes a farce, a blasphemous farce, if that's the way we look at it. No, be careful. It can be dangerous. Why, preacher, you're scaring me. I wish I could. (laughs) I can't scare you, you know. It's dangerous. What does he say? Oh, be careful. Because some are weak, some are sick, some of you are dying. Because God's serious. Y'all don't play around. He said, don't come up here and act like you're going to act like you know me and live like a pagan and never think about it. He said, oh, no, be careful. That doesn't mean that everybody that gets sick, they're sinners. <laughs> you know, I know I know all those veins. Oh, well, if you just confess your sin, then you'll be all right. That ain't how that works. You know, well, just don't receive it. Ain't that what they say? Just don't receive that sickness. No, you're living in a fleshly body. It's going to get sick, and you're going to die. You might be living the most upholy life of anybody in the world, but you're still going to get sick, and you're going to die. It does not, Jesus said that. He said, just because somebody's sick doesn't mean they sin. Remember the situation? They said, well, who sinned? His mom or his dad? He said, I don't have nothing to do with that whatsoever. Nothing to do with that. We're not going to be perfect, but it has anything to do with that. But we are to judge ourselves so that we wouldn't come under that judgment. So he says, when you come here, remember, analyze where you are, what's going on in your life, what needs to be changed, so that you don't come under the same judgment that the world will come under. You know, you don't want Jesus to judge you in the end, okay? If you don't know what that means, go back and read Revelation. It talks about the great white throne judgment where Jesus is up there, and there's nobody there but Jesus, and there's miles and miles and miles of nothing but a throne and a face and a chair. 
in you. And you're going to have to answer. You need to answer that now so you don't have to answer that then. Okay? Go back and read Revelation 20. We should not be so foolish to think that every evil uh, sickness is evil. But now remember, it does happen. You remember Ananias and Sapphira? What happened to them? Died on the spot because they lied. Some of you said, uh-oh. Thank the Lord he doesn't kill us all every time we tell a lie, eh? Hey, That's right. But that doesn't give you the right to lie either, you know, because <laughs> you're going to be held accountable for it. When the Lord withdraws and he lets the people of Israel in the Old Testament or their church go their way, it's not good. Remember, first, remember Romans chapter 1? It says, and God turned them over to their reprobate minds. He said, you want to live like that? You go right ahead. Look at America. You want to live like that? Go right ahead. What happened to the church in the last hundred years? They quit talking about sin. You don't think that has anything to do with where we are right now? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When he lets us go our way, watch out. Somebody's going to get judged. I'm not, I don't be a prophet of doom. But if you think America is not going to suffer from what we've been doing in this country for the last 70 years, you don't have a clue. There's no way we can escape a serious judgment. No way. When you kill as many babies alone as we've killed, that ain't even talking about all the other atrocities that go on. You just don't escape that without judgment. And God says, watch yourself so that you don't fall under the same judgment as the rest of the world. And he's talking to the individuals. You know, he's talking to the individuals and the church. Because if he says, hey, if that's the way you want it, you own your own. That's the way I tell my chickens. You got a defense, you own your own. The fox or the hawk, you own your own, and I don't feel sorry for you. I'm trying to protect you, but you get off the track, and you own your own. That's exactly what God does. He'll say to you the same thing. You want to live like a pagan? You'll reap the recovery or the results from that. You know how that works, right? You're walking down the street, and you're walking the path that God has, and the, God has the devil on a chain over here in this yard. As long as you stay on the sidewalk, the chain can't get to you. You get over there on the yard, and you're on your own. Don't blame God because he said, oh, no, I got you. If you stay right where I told you, you get over there fooling around all that stuff, and then, hey, it's coming. But we're, why did God let it happen? Well, you fool, look where you are. I probably shouldn't have said that. But that's exactly what it is, isn't it? Oh, it's God's fault. Why would he do this? Look where you are, who you're hanging around with, and what you're doing, what you expect. God said, you want to do that? Go ahead. Be careful. To the church, to the individuals, that's the same thing. That's what he's saying here. He says, be careful. The worst thing that can happen to us that, should, that God wouldn't care enough about is that he would discipline us. You know, it should be something if we start. I, I read the story of years ago, uh, 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 older, uh, he was a young guy then in Australia trying to serve in this church. And I may have told you part of this story. And, man, it was just ungodly. Uh, everybody was cheating and lying. And everybody went to church. Little church, a social club, 200 people. But everybody was just living a pagan life. And there was no difference. And he was there by himself, and he was preaching. So he finally just said, God, if, if this thing can change, just get me out of here. I'm ready to go home. So he just started praying. In about three months' time, he buried about 40 people. And then 200 people got saved. When God gets serious, the only thing is that he judges us. He said, be careful. 
Be careful. All of us need to be careful. If we're talking one thing and we're not doing it, you know, that's, that's, that's what the Lord's Supper is. We're supposed to examine, okay, I'm committed to Jesus. I'm supposed to be living for him. How am I treating everybody? How am I treating my wife? How am I treating my husband? How am I treating my mom and dad? How am I treating my children? How am I treating my employer, my employee? All of that. Analyze it. Remember, Jesus changed everything, right? Oh, it's okay. Not really sure. He says, be careful. It's dangerous. That's what it says. When you're judged by the Lord, he's disciplining in us, you know? When, when we try to, whatever it takes to keep our children out of the highway so they don't get killed, it looks bad to them, but we love them because of it, right? That's exactly what he's talking about here. That's what that means. It's good to come face to face with some of the judgment of God. Because if God took his hands off, Lord, where would we be? Right where we are in America right now. Isn't it amazing? Everything goes. Everything goes. Did y'all see the ugly head of the devil in Iowa? Did they put in the capital? He took somebody from three states over, an ex-seal uh, guy, to go over there and tear it down. Did y'all see that? Oh, yeah. He, then he turned himself in. Uh, DeSantis said, I'll pay the fines for you, you know. I mean, a, a big old monstrosity thing, devil head, goat head, a symbolic of satanic worship in the Capitol building, and everybody's just walking by it. And his complaint was, all these Christians walk by here every day and nobody does anything? You don't care? We don't care. We just want to get along, right? He went over and tore it down. <laughs> Bless his heart. Well, a Christian shouldn't be that. Look what this says. Somebody needs to get serious. Us. We need to hurry to the end so we'll have time to take the Lord's Supper, right? There's one more somewhere here. That means that the Lord's table is a place that we can be dangerous. It can be dangerous because Jesus said, well, listen, there's no, other body of room, but there's no other room in this thing but me. It's just you and me. It's not you and all this other stuff that you want to do. It's just you and me. That's, the, that's it. But here's the good side of it. Because of all this, we don't just be afraid. We end up remembering this. We have the boldness of Christ because of what he did. And we can remember our sins are forgiven. We can remember that we've been redeemed. We can remember we've been called to be his children who live for him. We can remember that we're heirs of the new covenant. We can remember that as well. But we have to be responsible. I don't know why in the world Jesus loved me or you. We're all in the same boat. Ain't none of us any better than anybody else. Ain't that right? I don't care what you've done. Ain't none of us any better than anybody else. We don't deserve it. So when we come here, we are to remember Jesus did something just because he loves us. No other reason. That's it. Let's pray. Lord, it's just beyond our comprehension why you loved us enough to die for us, why you tolerate us on a daily basis. We try to justify everything that we're doing that's not right. And we try to live under your grace and think it's all right. Lord, convict us. Forgive us. As we take this supper today just to remind us, Lord, help us get serious, not play games. Thank you for all you did for us. In Jesus' name, amen.